we are the church. We bring God's overwhelming love to the lost. We bring hope of salvation to the broken. We are called to make a difference. Jesus led the outreach, so we follow. Jesus spoke on the mount, so we listen. Jesus loved, so we love. God calls us to outreach, to build the community, to be the community, so we answer. to be with you today. Well, um, <laughs> welcome to those of you watching online. I was back there, I was just in such a good conversation, I thought, oh, that's me, I gotta go. <laughs> you know, I enjoy people. Anyway, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to open us with prayer today, because that's how I usually like to roll. So if you bow your heads, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you, Father, for each person you brought in on this afternoon. I ask, Lord, that you would speak to them. As I say, Father, I could speak a thousand words, but one spoken by you makes all the difference. You know them, Father. You say you know every hair on their head. I say, Father, the best I know how, I ask the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell with them, to illuminate what they need to hear, Father, to, um, yeah, I see that, to just... Uh, Stop the distractions, Lord, so that they can just give their time to you, Father, and hear directly from your heart. And so I give you this next 30, 35 minutes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we are continuing uh, in our series, Building Up Our Community, and we have been in there uh, going after two objectives. One was to deepen our spiritual community, right, the church community, and the other was to learn how to reach out together to make a difference in the people's lives that are in the community at large that are around us. And so you guys did a marvelous job <laughs> yesterday with Serve Day. And uh, our production people, our creative arts, they put together a quick video, and I want to show you what it looked like for yesterday. So take a look at this. Happy Serve Day 2023. Thank you so much for everyone who came out and helped me tackle this monster chore. It means so much to me. It means so much to my family. You guys are awesome. Love you bunches. This is a Loving it, loving it. I think she's having too much fun. What do you think? <laughs> hey, you guys did fantastic, right? So proud to uh, be associated with you, right? I think we made a difference in the Hampton Roads area by sharing the, the love and, and sharing who Jesus is and kindness, right? So thank you again for participating with us. Now, if you sent pictures, stuff like that, we're going to have them all up on the social media. This was our attempt. My uh, creative arts were up to like 
<laughs> one in the morning, <laughs> putting that together for you, right? But you can go on our social media, and you can see all the different pictures as they're coming in, okay? Very good. Now, guys, listen. You know, nothing happens without prayer, right? Yes, we get this, Sharon. So I give you these prayer cards that are on your chairs every weekend, right? And so those are for you. So if you have a prayer request or you want to ask for prayer, I encourage you to fill them out. You don't have to put your name on it. You can. And then you can deposit them in the clear box, right? We do that because we know that we have prayer warriors that will be lifting that up for you every Saturday, right, and stuff. And so I encourage you to take advantage of that. Now, getting ready to start with our uh, concept today, you know, uh, as I was praying about this, something happened a couple of weeks ago that I'll bring in, kind of talk to you. I was praying about our community, right? And as you know, I love trees. I love any greenery, right? Yeah, get me outside. I'm happy. Well, I went ahead and convinced Andy, Pastor Andy, <laughs> that we needed two more trees in our neighborhood, right? And so we went and got these weeping willow and, uh, oh gosh, a bald cypress, right? And we did it because the part of our yard goes underwater, gets lakey-like. And so I thought, well, that'll be good because nothing else can really live over there. So I, and my thoughts were, hey, this is going to really help. But the minute we planted it, Pastor Andy went out of town, and then it tarantially rained, right? And so here you go. This, in the rain, I am trying to upright my trees that fell over. There they are. They do not look very good, do they? <laughs> right? You know, sometimes our environment plays a lot and, and can run havoc with us, right? Even when we called the nursery to say, help, they said, well, you're just not watering them. I'm like, oh, no, there's water, <laughs> right, and stuff. So there's something else. But community is like this. It's, it's in our environment. It's the culture we create. And so we need to make sure that we have a good, healthy, healthy, healthy uh, community, right, so that we can grow up and be strong and be beautiful, as God has said. And we primarily go after setting our culture in our small groups. They are so very important to us. That's where we deepen in our spiritual family, right? And want to encourage you guys to be a part of that. This is what the Lord wants. And so today's message is going to take a, a bend into how do we deepen our community by telling you the things that hurt our community, right? our spiritual community. So today I want to talk to you about what destroys and what builds up relationships. And that's what this is all about, right? Building up our relationships with one another. And so I want to show you that. I happen to believe we're all connected. I get that in scripture where it says, even though we are many individuals, Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to each other. So look to your left, look to your right, right? Go ahead. Those are the people you're going to spend all eternity with, right? And so you really need to deepen your relationship. Because even if you, meet, you miss them here at Vineyard, they're going to be up there with you, right? And so you need to be able to, to get to know them. You need to be connected. And the Word tells us that there are three prominent negative uh, issues that affect all relationships, right? And so we're going to talk about those today, those three that damage our ability to have this deepening in our community. And I'm going to teach you how to do the opposite lean. But I'm going to have some fun with you today, right? Because I'm going to team teach again. But this time I'm team teaching with somebody that mm, I love, right? She's one of our pastors here. She's been with us for 20-some years as Pastor Debbie. And uh, she's going to uh, come and she's going to take part of the sharing. But what you need to know about Pastor Debbie is uh, at the end of this, the next year, right, or this coming, no, this year, right, in December, she is leaving our staff and taking the position of full-time missionary down in Mazzalana. Couldn't be more proud of her, right? And so, yeah, yeah. So you get to hear from her, and, uh, and she'll kind of uh, integrate in today what she's talking about, all right? In Jesus' name, you got it, Debbie. Amen. You got your... Hello, I'll go guys. get it for you. It's so good to see everybody. I haven't seen you in a while. I've been in uh, Moslem for the last few months, but it's really good to be back and to see everybody. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> All right, so Pastor Sharon was talking about um, what we're going to be talking about this morning, right? So it's what destroys and what builds up relationships. All right, so our first point on your outline is selfishness. Selfishness destroys relationships. That's a mouthful, right? selfishness it can destroy our relationships and this is the number one enemy 
It's the number one cause of conflict and arguments. It's the number one cause of divorce. And in James 4, 1, 2, it says this. What causes fights and quarrels? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Mm -hmm. You want something, but you just don't get it. Everything starts because of our self-centeredness. It's very easy for selfishness to creep in to these relationships. And when you start at a relationship, you work really, really hard, right, at being unselfish. Like in dating, when you first started dating. You're very unselfish at the start of your relationship. But then as time goes, in, goes on, our selfishness starts to creep in. And he asked me, he came only three seconds later, and he asked me, hey, did you turn down the thermostat, which we do every night? And in three seconds, I pretended I was asleep. <laughs> I'm lying motionless like this, and I whisper, no. He gets out of bed, he goes, and he checks the thermostat, and he lowers it. You know, it was selfish of me. It was pure and simple selfish. I wanted him to do it. You know, it's so easy to slide into that being selfish, right, in our relationships. And we all know that selfishness can destroy relationships, right? And we know this. So why don't we change? Or better yet, why can't we change? Why can't we be more unselfish? Well, here you go. There's a couple of reasons. First, because it's natural. It's human nature to be selfish. I don't think about you guys most of the time, right? I think about myself, my needs, my interests, my hurts. And you think about yourself most of the time. It's just natural to be selfish. And you know, when a baby's born, the first words are I and me. And they demand total attention. One of my, grand <laughs> one of my grandchildren, they even call me me, me. <laughs> she couldn't barely speak and she came up with this, me, me. So I'm, she, what she's telling me is I'm hers, right? They're totally selfish little creatures. You know, it's just human nature. We're born that way. You know, it's really interesting that a lot of people say, hey, if there is a God, why is there evil in this world? And, you know, I don't really have a problem with answering that. It's because we're all selfish. When you and I want what we want, it causes conflict. I want to do what I want to do, and it can sometimes hurt people. And I don't have a problem why there's evil in the world. Here you go. The real issue is, the bigger issue is why is there good in the world? And there's only one reason why there's good in the world. It's because of God. Without God, there would be no good. It is God who motivates us to do good. If there were no God, there would be no good in this world. He is the only explanation for good in the world because we're naturally selfish. Here you go. Not only are we naturally selfish, it's in our culture. Our culture and everything in it feeds to our self-centeredness. Every advertisement that comes out caters to it. It's things like, have it your way. We do it all for you. It's all about you. It's a self-centered attitude. Think about it. It says, do whatever you want, and it's all about you. Forget about it if it bothers anybody else. Live for yourself, regardless of what it does to everybody else. And this type of thinking cannot build our relationships. So here you go. If self selfishness destroys relationships, then selflessness builds them up. Your next point, selflessness builds relationships. Selflessness builds relationships, and what does that mean? Just being unselfish, that's all. It means a little bit less of me and a little bit more of you. It means I think a little bit less of myself and I think a little bit more of you. That's being selfless. To say I'm not the whole center of the universe and I'm going to intentionally think about other people. In Philippians 2.4 it says this, Look out for one another's interests, not just your own. So selflessness brings out the best in others, and it builds relationships. And it not only transforms a relationship, it can also transform people. I've actually seen it many, many times. I've seen some of the most unlovable, unkind, cranky people 
that really nobody wants to be around, and you start being selfless towards them and giving them what they need instead of what they deserve, right? It can transform them into a nicer person. God's favorite place for, to teach you and I about selflessness is in our family, at work, and in our small groups. Why? Because these are the people who get closest to you on a regular basis. It's when you're in relationship with other people that you have to give and take of learning to get along with people who are different from you, different personalities, different backgrounds. You know, listening is one of the greatest gifts that you can give others. You're giving them your time and your life, and that is far more important than your money. It's called the principle of sowing and reaping, and that's what the universe is built on. What you sow, you're going to reap. What you plant, you're going to reap. If you plant criticism, people are going to be critical of you. If you plant affirmation, people are going to affirm you. Whatever you sow in life, you're going to reap back. And so we must respond to God and not to what others do. If you want to plant good seeds, plant in response to God. So what does that mean? Here you go. When somebody is offensive to me, it's my nature to be offensive back, right? But don't. Don't respond to that type of pettiness. Respond the way that God would want you to and ask yourself, how would Jesus handle that pettiness? When you do that, you're going to be unselfish. So you respond to God and not to the attack that's coming towards you. You know, God has wired the universe that the more unselfish you are, the more he blesses us. Why? Because he wants you to become more like him, which is unselfish. Everything that you and I have in life is a gift from God because God was unselfish to you. You know, it took me many, many years to learn this and how to live a lifestyle of being unselfish. I call it dying to self. And I remember one time when we took the youth on a missions trip to Mexico. We went to the city dump. This is where the dump scroungers, people that scrounge through massive heaps of dump, looking for recyclables to sell, get some money to live. Or they pull out wood or aluminum to build shacks at the bottom of the dump, our old food, clothing, whatever is useful to them that people have thrown away. And I remember as we drove up there with our youth that day, it was hot and muggy, and it had rained the night before. And we pulled up to the dump, and the stench was so overpowering, and seeing people digging through trash, it was so hard to see. But as the youth began to look at them, this compassion came and it set in and all of a sudden they knew it wasn't about them and they got out of the truck one by one to face this they began to take out the big igloo cooler and some cups and began to take cups of water with their feet sinking in the trash and the stench which was overpowering all to bring people a cold cup of water in Jesus name they were learning how to be selfless. And when we got back and we were reflecting that night, they started sharing stories with each other about the dump scroungers and how they felt seeing them digging in heaps of trash to just get their needs met. Then the conversation shifted and they began talking about how they were being so selfish in their lives back home. Never forget one youth, he just started crying and bawling because he had demanded his parents buy him a PlayStation, the newest version. And if they didn't, they were the worst parents possible. He had argued with them prior to this missions trip. But God touched him that day, and I do believe he was learning about being selfless. And all the youth began to speak, and they had similar stories. And they were aware of their selfishness. And they really began to learn the art of being selfless. And as we finished up that day, we had fed hundreds of people and handed out hundreds of cold a cup of water in Jesus' name. And as they were walking back to the van, there was this man standing in the distance. And he was staring at us. And we all looked back. And he had made a heart 
with his fingers and he pointed to the sky because you see, he knew we were there showing the love of Jesus Christ and that we were being selfless. You see, this is a learned behavior. The more you serve others and not be selfish, it becomes easier and clearer. Now, God did not come here to be served. He came to serve others. He is our example of leading a selflessness life. And so I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to all of you that served on Serve Day. Thank you for carving out the time for someone else. So here you go. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, I want you to get this that the greatest lesson in life is learning to be unselfish. That's it. You can walk away. That is the greatest lesson in life. And it's also called love your neighbor as yourself. And once you know and love God, God says, now I want you to learn it, and I want you to love other people. And that is two of our core values here, love God and love people. And we begin to see that it's not all about us. Unfortunately, a lot of people go through life and never learn the greatest lesson, and they waste their life. They waste the whole reason that God put you here on this earth. It's to learn how to be unselfish and love others. And it's going to take you and I the rest of our life, but it's this growth process, and there's only one way you can do it, and that's with God's Spirit in you, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, here you go. Here's the second thing that can destroy relationships, and it's insecurity. Insecurity can destroy relationships. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says, the fear of human opinion disables. When I'm so insecure that all I think about is your opinion and what you think of me, that can disable my life. When I'm afraid, it tends to cause us to try to control each other. That destroys relationships. And what's beneath that control? It's insecurity. It causes us to try to control others. And insecurity causes us to resist the control of others. It's crazy. It's an amazing dilemma as human beings that we have. We long to be close, but we fear being close. We want it, but we don't want it. We long to have intimacy with others, but we're also scared to death to have the intimacy with others. It's because of our insecurity. You can't get close to somebody if there's fear in your relationships. So why do we fear relationships? Well, there's a couple of things. First, because we fear exposure. We fear that somebody's going to find out what we're really like. We fear that, so we hide ourselves. We don't want people really to know what we're like. Right? And that's this, that's, uh, that is man's oldest fear. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden after they had sinned. They hid. When we're afraid, we hide ourselves. We cover up. We wear these masks. When we are scared to death, we have this like emotional nakedness, right? What if somebody understands and finds out about my fears, my faults, my failures, my dark side, and really the parts I don't want people to know about? You know... When we have our training for our missions trips down to Mexico, one of the things we always like to tell everybody is that we cannot go down there with all these insecurities holding on to ourselves. We have to strip down the bare nakedness of emotions and take off our mask and all the walls that we build up and all of our insecurities, all of our hang-ups. We just have to lay them down. And you know what? It is uncomfortable. It's almost like standing up here, undressing each part of my clothing off, and I stand bare nakedness. But it's only when you and I get to that state of being stripped down, then here you go. We can start putting on God's clothing of love, mercy, compassion, boldness, selflessness. And it's his clothing that will give us the strength to walk out and be a strong witness for Jesus Christ. And it, to be bold and to let people know the night and day difference that he can make in our lives. When you walk out in God's clothing and you strip yourself of your clothing and insecurities, I guarantee you, your life will change and you will never, ever be the same. Because you were made for so much more. 
That's why it's so important that you guys realize the vision here at our church. Yes, it's to know God, but that's if, uh, if that's all you ever do is just to sit here and know God, you're not going to go where God wants you to go. You have to take that second step, which is finding freedom. It's only found in Jesus Christ. Get in a freedom group, a small group, and those hang-ups that we hold on to, hold on to and those masks and insecurities, we will start to begin to let them down. And then you can really discover your purpose that God created you for. And then you can go out into the world and truly make a difference in your community, in your family. You see, these four sayings that we say here at Vineyard Church are not just four short sentences on a wall in the hallway. These are what God has called us to do, to know him, to find freedom from our hangups of this world, and to become selfless. And then we can discover the purpose and walk out in this world and why he put us on this earth. You see, Jesus Christ knew his mission. His mission on this earth was to come and to seek and save that which is lost. He is the most selfless person that ever lived. So you see, his mission now becomes our mission as a Christ follower. So we must lose our insecurities. If not, the result is nobody ever gets to know you. God put you on this earth because he wants you to be fully known. Everybody deserves to be fully known and to fully know somebody else. And the second fear is because of rejection. This may be the greatest fear in human beings, the fear of being rejected. We've all been rejected at some point, and we really know how much that hurts. So we fear it, and we close ourselves off and say, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again. We build up these walls. Maybe you've been hurt by somebody or rejected by a boyfriend, a friend, a parent. Maybe they said, you're never going to amount to anything. You're not good enough. You felt the sting of rejection. Maybe you even felt the sting of rejection by a Christian. Or maybe you felt it in a church or a small group. If so, I would say to you, I am sorry. I am really sorry. God grieved at your rejection. And if anybody understands rejection, it's Jesus Christ. Remember, they nailed him to a cross. That is the ultimate rejection. And he understands how you feel. And I would beg you, please don't let that harden your heart. Don't build up a wall or put yourself in this eggshell, this self-imposed prison. You don't want to be in it. You might be saying to yourself, well, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again, so I'm going to stay here. But you're making a mistake. I want to tell you, take the risk. Have the courage to risk love again. Have that courage. Because if you will do that and you're going to open up your life to others, you lower those barriers and you let others in, you're going to come alive again in a way that you have never experienced it. You know, I always think of all that Jesus did and what he died for. And here you go, at the very end of his life, he was rejected. But he knew his mission here on this earth, and he never wavered from that. He is our example. And you know, when you're around other people and you start to let your insecurities go, other people start to see that. And this begins to build and form a true friendship, a true community, because we're being transparent. And this relationship begins to grow, and you work side by side with others, and you're being vulnerable. And then we say, we have in common, to, what do we have in common together? That we lay down our lives, and we picked up our cross, and we served others in our small group, mission field, or serve day. And here you go been at this for 20 plus years and I can see somebody that I haven't seen in 10 or 12 years and our eyes just lock with each other because we know that there was a time and a place that we were vulnerable and we were transparent and that we gave ourselves fully to those in need. I guarantee you it will change your life. So insecurity destroys relationships. So what builds them up? It's love, love. 
Love builds relationships. The Bible says this in 1 John 4.18. Love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it shows that his love has not been perfected in us. So how does that work? How does love expel all fear? Well, here's what it does. It takes the focus off of you, and it puts the focus on them. That's how it makes the difference. And I had people ask me, do you ever get nervous when you're up there talking to a lot of people? The answer is yes, yes, of course. There's a lot of people out there. But you know what makes the difference? I get the focus off of me, and I focus on you. If I was standing here thinking of what you thought of my hairstyle clothes, I should have something to be afraid of, right? But the minute I start thinking about how much I love you and how much that we want to love God together, all of a sudden, that fear, it just goes right out that back door. In any relationship, any place you feel nervous and insecure, when you focus on another person, it has the power to throw fear out of your life. And so how do we find that power to focus on other people? Realize how much God loves you. Realize that he loves you more than you could ever imagine. The moment you begin to realize how much God loves you, I don't have to prove myself anymore. I don't have to spend my life trying to impress other people because I already know that God loves me. The God of the universe loves me. And you know how freeing that is? You know how enjoyable it is to live life that way? All of a sudden, my identity, my self-worth, they're not caught up in what you might think of me. I'm not pressured by everybody else's expectations anymore. All of us want that. All of us want to live with that kind of confidence. And so where do we get it? It's the Bible. Here you go. The Bible tells us that all of us that know how much God loves us and we live according to his will and we put our trust in him alone, that our love will grow more perfect and we will not be afraid. And it's a lifelong process. It's a journey. A little bit every day. It's something that grows little by little. But you can grow in this, and I can grow in this. And you can't defeat insecurity overnight. It doesn't happen for any of us. But you can take the first step right now, today, that is beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ or strengthening your relationship with Jesus Christ. When you say yes to Jesus you're saying yes to a kind of love that can throw fear out the back door of your life. A kind of love that will sustain you for life. A kind of love that fills you to capacity and it overflows to others. And so my prayer here today is that you would find that type of love. Thank you for letting me share. Pastor Sharon will come up and tell us about the next point. Okay, can't get that for us. Thank you. All right. Yep, we're done. We can go home now. <laughs> hey, the love of God, I could listen to that all day long. I don't know about you guys. I love that stuff. All right, getting back, getting staying focused. We are looking about uh, things that would kill our ability to have community, to deepen it. And so I've got this last one I want to share with you real quick, and it is resentment, right? There's nothing like resentment to destroy relationships. And what we're talking about with resentment is when somebody does something, says something, or you feel slighted, right? And emotions take over, and, and you get angry, right? You get frustrated, you get upset. And so we need to know that this does happen to us, right? That we can get in resentment. And here we go. Let me just, I want to help you with your focus on this one, right? <clears throat> and I'm going to help you to focus with the right lens. Here you go. First of all, let me let, me let you know, right, that none of us are perfect, <laughs> right? That we all have failed. We've all fallen short, right? That none of us have batted a thousand. I'm a sinner. I've sinned. I continue to sin. I, I try not to, but it, it happens, right? And the same with you. I think that, you know, that you make mistakes, that you miss the mark. And so because of that, that puts us in the human race category, right? We're, we, we make these mistakes. And because we do, we either unintentionally or some intentionally hurt other people. 
And so I guarantee you that you will be hurt, right, in this life, that things are going to happen to you and you're going to find yourself on the short end of the stick and you're not going to like it, right? And, and here you go. It's not so much about us ending up on that side of the stick or having that happen to us. Really, I want to challenge to you, what are you going to do when it does happen, right? What are you going to do with, with that hurt that comes your way when somebody's disappointed you or treated you unkindly, right? What exactly are you going to do, right? Are you going to let it take its, its toll on you and, and, and become embittered and angry and upset and hold a grudge? Are you going to get better? You see, God wants you to get better in that. But you have complete control to decide how you're going to react in this, right? And here you go. Again, it's going to come your way. And so am I saying you can't be angry, frustrated, upset? No, 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 no. You see, the word tells us that we can feel anger. There's a righteous anger. Like every time I hear about a child, you know, anybody who hurts a kid, I get angry. (laughs) I get upset, right? Or if they hurt my kids, I, I get upset for that. So here's the point. The point is there is righteous anger. There is right anger. But when we hold on to it and it becomes a resentment, uh, the, the things I read says that what happens to us is anger becomes frozen inside of us, right? It's like a frozen anger. And so we, we, we nurse on that thing, and, and it causes us to make really some bad choices in life. And so I want to encourage you that, that if you're there today and you are struggling with resentment, well, God wants to come and he wants to free you up and he wants to help you, right? And so he wants to challenge us in our small groups also to be able to, to embrace, embrace people. And I know that, it, you know, that in a small group, there are, there are folks that are not like us, right? It kind of reminds me being married, right, and then, and then doing marriage and stuff. I will always see where these opposites attract, Right? Like, like somebody will come and go, oh, man, I, I really like this about this person. It attracts me, right? But that same attraction, after they've been married a while or they're in a committed relationship, it becomes the place of attack, right? I'm fascinated with this, but then when it's there in front of me, I'm like, oh, no, this is terrible, and it irritates me, right? Like if you're a very quiet person, and so the party, the life of the party catches your attraction, right? And so you are together. After a while... Right? In marriage, after a while, you look and go, do you not ever stop? Do you have to be that bright and cheery in the morning? Right? And so the very thing that attracted you, now you're attacking. See, this human nature thing, it happens also in small groups. You know, you go and you meet somebody, you go, well, that's so interesting. Right? They're an interesting person. And then you go and you're in a small group with them. And all of a sudden, these behaviors come out that are indicative of their personality type. Right? Like the person's always late and then gives 10 minutes to explain why they're late, <laughs> right? Or the person's brilliant, they've got all these kind of ideas, and, but they are what we call extra grace required because they miss all the social cues, right? And they're always saying things, you're like, what? Right? Yes. Or the jokester, the one that's always got the fun thing to say, right? But when you're in a small group with them, it almost feels like they're, that's their, like their comedy club and you're their audience, Right? And so, so things that can attract, even in a small group that we enjoy people, begin to be an irritation. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, we learn to tackle it, okay? You're going to learn to tackle it. Small groups is a great place that you do this, right? And here's what I do. I ask God to fill me up with his grace for that person, right? Help me to see them as he does. You see, we all need to be in these groups with other people And they're going to irritate us, right? They're going to have some of these behaviors where we're like, whoa, right? And so when you're in there, it's all about learning relationally to get along, okay? You need to learn to relationally get along because after all, the great commandment tells us that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. If you're not with your neighbor, if you're not learning to do them, then you are not fulfilling that law. You see that? That's the very basics of Christianity. And so you need to be uh, in groups and talking to people and learning how to do them. And another thing I love in small groups that we learn is we learn how to handle conflict, right? And this is a good thing. Most people, most of you, if I asked you, you'd say, oh, no, I don't. (laughs) I'd rather not, right? Nobody really likes conflict, but really in dealing with people, it's the most loving, kind thing you can do, right? You can see the person's worth and separate it out from the behavior that perhaps is bothering you, and you can talk to it. And this is a great ecosystem for growth 
because the very same things are happening in the community at large. It's happening in your work and in your marriage and stuff like that. And so these skill sets that we're learning, we can bring them into those areas and they can help us, right? Now, the, the job of a small group is for them to come around you and to help you grow. That's its whole purpose. And we see that in Hebrews 12. <clears throat> it says, look after each other. Watch out that no bitterness, this is resentment, by the way, no bitterness takes root amongst you because that's our norm, right? That's our norm. It says, for as it springs up, it causes deep troubles, hurting many, right? That intentional, unintentional hurt, right? But watch this. In their spiritual lives, it hurts also us in our spiritual lives and who we are becoming. And so we need to know that uh, we, we definitely have to go after this whole idea of uh, resentment that wants to come up in your small group they get around you and they pray for you and help you and the number one antidote listen the number one antidote that helps us to be able to handle our our resentment our bitterness or anger and all those things you know what it is is forgiveness is forgiveness right and so i'm gonna uh put it up here for you forgiveness this actually helps to build up the community it actually deepens the community and you see the small groups when they're around you and they're putting their arm around you when you go through the hard time, they're listening to you, but they know that the road that they're going to travel on is to get you, to help you to be able to forgive that other person, right? To be able to forgive that other person. This is a key component of, of being able to be a Christ follower. We must be able to give forgiveness. Now, I tell you, I've been married over three decades, and Pastor Andy, he has to forgive me a lot, <laughs> Right? He has to forgive me a lot. That's why we can continue to be married, guys. You can continue to do journey with people because you put on the mantle of forgiveness, that you're never going to have to forgive anybody as much as you have been forgiven yourself, right? Even the scriptures, they tell us, hey, make sure you've got this in the central key part of your life. It says you must make allowances. That means people are going to irritate you, right? You must make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive the person who offends you because it's common your way. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And so it's saying to us, wake up. Forgiveness is part of the mantle. It's, it's part of your clothing. It's who you are as a Christ follower. We must forgive. And here you go. The, the Lord even tells us, we learned this prayer when we were little kids, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? Forgive me as I forgive others. Do you see that? And so there's this principle about forgiveness, right, that God wants us to understand. Forgiveness is like, it's like a cup. This is what it reminds me. It's like a cup that we scoop. And when I'm offended, I have a cup, and I get to choose which one. And if I choose a little dinky one, right, and I'm going to pour out forgiveness, and it's small, God says, Sharon, that's the very one I'm going to use with you. And I don't know about you. I need a lot of forgiveness because I make a lot of errors. And so I want to grab the biggest, the biggest measuring cup I can, a bucket size, and I want to pour it on the person that's offended me. I want to make sure I offer them forgiveness because that's what I want the Father to do for me. This principle is not just for me. It's for you. And so we need to know that forgiveness is huge. Now, as I say that, I know some of you are sitting there and you go, but Sharon, you got a charm life. Pastor Annie, he's great. You don't know what I've gone through. I can't love. I can't forgive. And here you go. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not arguing with you with this one. You're right. I probably haven't been where you've been. But I do know this because I've experienced myself. When great, uh, great trials and things that have happened to us where we know we can't forgive, right? Or something will happen. You go, I just don't have any love left inside, right? Here you go. Let me tell you, that's when you need the supernatural love to come through you. Human love, it runs out. Human love cannot forgive without trying to, to get reciprocity without something, right? That's why you need the Holy Spirit to take over. And the scripture tells us that here. And this next one in Titus. Once our lives were full of resentment and envy, that is where everybody goes, right? That's where we start here, but watch this. But then... Christ saved us, not because we were good enough to be saved, but because of his kindness and love. He shed grace, as Debbie so brilliantly poured out, right? 
he shared this love and this grace and he washed away our sins and giving us a new joy. We have a new joy inside and this new joy, it bubbles up and it's called the Holy Spirit. And it's the power within us to make decisions for being able to forgive somebody when we know humanly we cannot. We let the Holy Spirit take over. And all this because Jesus Christ did the, so that we could declare that we are, uh, we are good in God's eyes. And you see this whole process I'm talking about, accepting Christ and loving him and following him and offering forgiveness, tackling your selfishness and becoming selflessness, right? All these things, the insecurities and letting the love permeate, all these are what I consider becoming a child of the God most high, right? And we do this by partnering up with something called the Holy Spirit, which is God's presence inside of us. Outside of that, you cannot do this. What we're talking about today, you cannot. And without these principles in play and the Holy Spirit's power, you're going to go into a group or you're going to go into a marriage and you're going to be hurt and things are going to happen and you're going to go, where are you, God? Did you forget me? Right? And, and yet he teaches us and he gives us the keys of the kingdom of God. And it's our good pleasure to figure out how to take them and to begin to unlock the relationships around us, to begin to allow the family of God to be deepened in your life and to really see what God has for you. Now, next month, we're going to open up all the small groups, right? And I'm telling you way back in July, because I'm not trying to compel you or, well, I am compelling you, but I'm not trying to coerce you to be in those groups. But see, this is what I know. That tree I showed you, I could have the best intentions in the world. And if I don't help you get planted, you will become like that tree, right? And that is so what I don't want for you. And so I want you to be praying about it and asking God, say, God, first of all, move on my heart so that I will be a part of a small group, that I will go those 13 weeks, and then start to pray and say, which one do you want me in? Or do you want me to be in the one that's on mission and going out of the country? You see, all these are possibilities, but they all start with you saying, come Holy Spirit, show me, take me, challenge me to become all that I can to make the difference that you're asking. Bow your heads with me. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, I feel your presence and your breathing in this room. And so I ask, Lord, now that you would just work upon the people, that you would cause them to expand in their capacity, Lord, to follow after you no matter what the season of life they're in. I hear that, Father. <clears throat> I hear it so clearly. Resentment resounds in this room. And it shows itself in all different fashions. And there's a, there's a, a question of does his ways really work? The answer is yes. But I can say that, but you need him to touch you. So Holy Spirit, come now. Speak into the hearts. You see the marriages that are in conflict, Father. The relationships that are in conflict, you see that. Yes, Father, you see those acts that people know that they're selfish, and but yet they perpetuate. And you see their brokenheartedness and the, the, the place of insecurity. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. <laughs> we need you. We need you. Lord, move amongst your people. Move about your people. Cause them, Father, to be radically challenged and to be able to stand and upright themselves in you, Lord, and in the community around them so that they can fulfill their calling. I hear that. Some of you are really far from the Lord or you feel far. And you're listening and you're like, I, don't, I can't let go of the resentment. I, I can't move towards you. Well, that's the Holy Spirit moving on you right now. Okay? He is. You know, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and this is for those who are watching online too, it gives us the power, but it starts with our decisions. And so while every head is bowed and we have been praying here, I want a special shout out to you guys that you feel that, that compulsion that's happening down inside, right? And here you go. Would you give it to the Lord? Would you say, I, I don't want this anymore. I don't even know how to problem solve it, but I want to get it away from me. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now, a prayer of freedom. And so those of you in here, in this audience that want that, want to pray with me in this next section, what I want you to do 
is, again, nobody's going to be watching you, judge and stuff. It's for your own benefit. This is somewhere you want to go. I want you to raise your hand up quick so that Sharon Mead, who's standing on the stage, can see you and know who I'm praying for. Mm-hmm. I see. You can put those hands down as soon as they go up. I see them. Okay, very good. Very good. So here you go. Well, everybody who didn't raise their hand is praying for you. So am I. And we're going to go before the Father because he has all answers. I have none. Father, I love these people. I believe you brought them here to hear this message. And so right now, Father, I ask that you break, you break the, the yoke that's on them of resentment, hurt, anger, frustration. Ah, oh, Father, push it all away. Now, those that raised your hand, this is what I want you to do. I want you to say, right where you're at, you say, Father God. Go ahead, Cisco, Father God. I don't want these feelings anymore. Thaw out my heart of anger. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me my sins. The places I missed it. And I ask you, Jesus, come be the leader of my life right now. Heal me. Deliver me. Set me free. Lord, for those that were praying that, Prayer, I specifically ask that you would seal it in their heart. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would release, release your presence, Father. Let them not just feel it in this service, Lord, but just let them carry it all through the week. Remind them, Father, that they are children of the God Most High, that you love them, that you see them, and that you're directing them. And Father, I thank you in advance for deepening this community. Yes, for deepening Vineyard, Father, for it is supposed to be the light of the world, Lord. It is supposed to make the difference in so many lives. And I know we cannot do that without you. And so Holy Spirit, move upon your people. Cause them to see that they are to use their one life, Father, to make a difference. And we will love you with all that we are, Lord. And we will follow you no matter where you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, we're going to get ready to do a transition time. And uh, if you haven't, I, I some housekeeping things. If you haven't taken step three, uh, we, we're in process of that. That's a fun class, so you want to be part of that. You learn about your gifts and talents, right? And also, uh, for those of you that this is your home and you want to be able to tithe, right, you can, you can text a tithe at uh, VCC, near amount, and then the 45777, and you can get it done that way, or you can go on the QR codes, whatever. We couldn't do ministry without you, though, so just float that out there. Uh, the other thing is all of you guys who were listening today, those of you that uh, raised your hand, right, to get a new start with Jesus Christ, what I want you to do is tell me about it on the card that was provided for you on your seat. And as I said earlier, nothing happens without prayer. And so take the opportunity to write down your prayers and to let us know so that we can partner with you. Now, all those cards, the way you were going to collect them today, is the clear boxes on your way out. You can just drop them there, okay? So stand up. I'm going to speak one more blessing, and the team's going to come up, and we're going to close out with one beautiful song. Ready? Father God, I thank you for each life that was in here. And I ask, Father, for copious amounts of forgiveness to flow, and that they would be able to see themselves as making a difference in the sphere of influence that you have given us. And we love you, Lord, with all our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.